What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. Well, we did it. We've reached the end of another season of the Wellpreneur podcast, and it's been so much fun bringing you all of these diverse group of guests talking about how you can really grow your wellness business and make it thriving online and in person and to create a brand and business that really fits you. I feel like one of the themes of this season has been branding and trying to think beyond, you know, what you just see on Instagram and, you know, the classic idea of posting pictures of your breakfast in green smoothies. I think that's, we're all over that by now, right? That's kind of in the past. So we want to think beyond that and just think beyond copying what we're seeing other people do and really be crafting businesses and brands that fit us and our unique strengths. So to round out this set of interviews this season, I really wanted to introduce you to Esther Jacobs, who is the no excuses lady. So to round out our interviews this season, I really wanted to bring you an interview with Esther Jacobs. Esther is so inspiring. She is a digital nomad. She travels pretty much full time while she runs her business that's completely designed around her and her innate strengths. She calls herself the no excuses lady. And I met an Esther at a conference in Bangkok, Thailand. We really hit it off. And what I love is that she has created this business that totally fits her and what she loves to do. So rather than using just her logic and saying, well, you know, it's probably more logical if I do a business around this or I need to niche down into just this specific area, she has been able to develop this fantastic audience that allows her to provide products and services in a variety of areas all around no excuses. Esther is really one of the most can-do positive people that I know. And every time I talk to her, I come away with just this sense of, wow, anything's possible and concrete ideas of really what I can do to like get started on that project. So I just love spending time with Esther and I think you're going to love to hear from her as well. In our conversation today, we're talking about how Esther got started creating her business, how she decided to go with a personal brand over a business name and what you should be thinking about if you're considering how to position your own business and to develop a brand. We're talking about how to bring your strengths into your business and to create the business and brand really about you so that it feels natural and fun and you're able not to just get stuck in a small niche. And something that's pretty interesting is we're talking about, you know, if Esther were to start over today from scratch online, what would she do? And that's something that I'm quite interested in recently because I know for a lot of us that are more established online, we started years ago, right? My first podcast was in 2005. I started my natural beauty blog in 2009. I've had like a lot of experience getting things going online and certainly starting things back in 2009 was a very different atmosphere than it is today. So I always like to ask, 
if you had to start today based on this environment, what would you do? And we have a great conversation around that. So I feel like this interview with Esther is such a strong way to finish out our season and leave you with some real food for thought about how your business fits you. Or maybe it doesn't, right? Does it fit you? Does it not fit you? And I think this will be quite thought-provoking and give you some ideas on how you could make your business fit more with your innate strengths so that it feels easy and flowing and really plays off of what you do best. And I think that sense of ease and flow and fun and playfulness is why so many of us wanted to start our own businesses, right? We want to make an impact in the world, doing something that we love, and we don't want to feel like we're struggling and having our nose to the grindstone all the time. Even if we are working a lot, we can do it in a fun, playful, passionate way. And Esther definitely brings that through. So I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Now, don't forget, even while we're on a podcast break between seasons, I'm still here. We're still here. So come hang out with us in the Facebook community, which is on Facebook at Wellpreneur Community. If you just search that, you'll find us. And if you're not already getting the Wellpreneur weekly emails, then hop over to the website, wellpreneuronline.com and sign up for the email list there. So you'll get the roundup of the best discussions from the community group, as well as a curated list of articles of wellness news that I've found personally and find really interesting and some good wellness and business reads and other goodies as we come across them during the week. Keeps you touch in touch with the community. And also it tells you what you need to know as a wellness entrepreneur this week. So we'd love to have you in there. Anyway, let's get ready to get inspired with Esther Jacobs, the No Excuses Lady. Hi, Esther. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hi. <laughs> so, um, Esther, I've been really looking forward to having you come on the show ever since we were chatting in Thailand, I think it was, because you have some really cool things going on with social media and you have an awesome personal brand. Um, and it's something that I think the listeners will learn a lot from. So can we start off by you just telling us what it is that you do? Because you have quite an interesting mix of things in your business. <laughs> Well, people call me the no excuses lady because I always find solutions where other people don't see opportunities or they see problems. And I do that as a speaker. I gave over a thousand keynotes all over the world. As an author, I wrote and co-authored 25 books and as a digital nomad. So I'm a location independent entrepreneur. I've never worked for a boss. I've always worked like for myself independently and by myself. So basically I've just tried different things and found out what works and what doesn't work. And I do more of the things <laughs> that work and more of the things that I like and less of the things that I don't like and things that don't work. So it sounds very easy, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a discovery. So where are you right now? I'm in Amsterdam right now. I spend about three months a year in Amsterdam and the rest of the year I travel or I'm in vacations. So this summer, I use Amsterdam as a base to speak at various festivals and to visit friends and go on little trips around Europe. And then uh, in the winter, usually I'm somewhere where it's warmer. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about kind of this, how you've designed your life and your business, because I think one of the things that I really love about you is that you know, so much in marketing and in business, we talk about having a niche, like a specific niche. But I don't feel like you have a niche, except for probably being the no excuses lady. I mean, you talk about the stuff that you love to do. You talk about writing books, you talk about productivity and being a digital nomad and loads of other things that I'm probably forgetting. But can you 
talk to us a bit about that. Like how, how did you come up with, or I, how did you work your way into this? Because it, it, it's a bit different than what other people talk about. True. And uh, a lot of people say you have to have a niche, you have to choose. And I meet a lot of people who are good at a lot of things. And I don't think you have to choose as long as you can find like the the common theme in everything you do. And for me, the common theme is no excuses and you can apply, apply that to anything. So what happened to me is after studying business, I just went to do some small projects, market research, etc. And then I and I traveled a lot, of course. And the main thing that I learned is to get to know myself. So I found out I'm a very good starter, but I don't like to finish things. See that as a handicap when you're in an environment where you're supposed to finish things. But when you put yourself in a different context, in an entrepreneurial environment, then suddenly this can become an asset, can be a positive thing. So I've learned that it's best not to try to change yourself if, you know, some uh, characteristics don't fit uh, where you are right now, it's better to change the environment and the context. And then suddenly you can be who you are, do what you're good at, what you like, and be uh, acknowledged for it and help other people with it. So for me, the biggest thing that, uh, that I did and that I learned was when the euro was introduced in Europe, everybody had these leftover foreign coins and I collected all the leftover foreign coins for charity. And in the end, I uh, collected 16 million euro for charity. So that was a really big thing uh, on how to achieve big results with minimal resources. And from there, I became a speaker and writer. And there's lots of other topics that come my way. And basically, I use everything that happens in my own life, in my own experience to talk about, to do storytelling and to help other people with the same in the same situation. I love it. Okay, so there's a few things I want to talk about, and and maybe you can suggest what the best way is in. So I want to talk about this idea of a personal brand versus trying to start a business. You know, this like why we should be starting personal brands. I want to talk about social media, and I want to talk about storytelling. So where you know for the people listening, I guess what are maybe the, yeah where do we start the, at the brand thing because. I meet a lot of people who say, but but who am I, you know, and they don't want to put themselves in the spotlight. But if you don't show yourself, if you don't show who you are, how are people going to know if they want to work with you? Like there are thousands, millions personal trainers and, you know, you can also find personal training apps and whatever. But if you're going to work with a personal trainer, you want somebody who appeals to you personally, either the same personality or somebody who triggers you or somebody who's from the same country or somebody with the same hobbies or whatever. So, and the same goes for, for a tax lawyer. You know, if you need a tax lawyer, you can work with a thousand anonymous tax lawyers. But if your neighbor, for example, is a tax lawyer or somebody you met at a, a networking party once and you had a certain click then you work with that person because you like that person, because you trust that person. So therefore, it's very, very important first to get to know yourself. Who are you? What are you good at? What things do you like? Uh, what added value do you have for other people? And then also to show your personality. Are you a mother of three? Please use that in your communication because other mothers will want to talk to you and work with you instead of with somebody who's not a mother, who doesn't have that experience that you share. Okay, cool. So that makes sense. So it starts off, I guess, by getting really to know ourselves. So how did you, I guess you evolved into it yourself, but when you're talking with, you know, some of your clients about how they can get started creating their own business as a personal brand, you know, once you get to know yourself, then how do you decide what it is that you're going to sell? 
Well, a lot of people already know what they're good at and what they want to do. And I think uh, the listeners also, because they're listening, they've already decided they want to be in the wellness area and they've probably selected an area uh, that they're interested in. But I notice a lot of people are afraid to make choices because if you make a choice, for example, that you only want to work with women or only want to work with a certain age group or a certain disease or a certain type of clients, then you're afraid that you're going to lose other people. But on the, it's, it's actually the other way around. If you make a very clear choice, you get very motivated people as clients, people who want to work exactly with uh, what you're working with. And I have a, well, maybe it's a funny example. For example, if you have a, a shoe store and you have a shopping window, you can put all the shoes you have in your inventory in the shopping window and you can put mountain shoes and dancing shoes and formal shoes and summer shoes everything in there and people will walk by and they will know okay it's a shoe store but what kind of a shoe store they have no clue you know and it's overwhelming and they walk on but if you are interested in dancing and for example in dancing tango and that's what you really want to do then you put dancing shoes tango dancing shoes in your shopping window people who walk by and who don't like dancing and who don't like tango, they don't stop. But the people who enter your store are people who love tango just as much as you do. And then after they buy their tango shoes, if they go mountain uh, hiking, they, they will ask you, do you also have hiking shoes? And you can say, sure, you know, I can order them for you or I have them in the back or I used to have them, whatever. And that's the same thing with your website, with your social media, with your personal branding. You make the decision first of what you really, really like and make the choice as narrow as possible and as clear as possible to yourself and others. And then some clients will not want to work with you because they don't like tango or they don't like dancing. But the ones who do are a perfect fit. And a lot of people are afraid to make this choice. But if you think of the shopping window, your website or your social media is your shopping window and you decide what you put in your shopping window. Don't put your whole CV in there. Don't put everything from your inventory, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever had, but select from all of this how you want people to see you, what you want them to see in your shopping window. I love it. Okay. And it's really interesting because in the beginning, we started talking about how you don't really need to niche down. People get too stressed out about niching down. But in a way, this is niching down, but it's niching down around what you really want to do and who you want to work with and like that common through that common theme, that common thread in your brand. True. And um, what people usually dis- decide on a niche is what, what am I? Am I a writer or am I a speaker or am I a coach? But how I put it on my website, the website is like the shopping window. So it's a good example to uh, to look at and to think about is I put on my homepage something about challenges, you know, about facing challenges and finding solutions, not being limited by the circumstances. And then the ways in which I sell that, in which I help people are by giving presentations, by organizing workshops, retreats, uh, writing books. So my choice is not for books or presentations or workshops. My, My choice is for a theme. So you can have one theme, one thing you really like and be passionate about, and then have different forms or products or services in which you use that to help people. Absolutely. You can shape it any way you you like. So one of the, when I've, when I've had people ask me, you know, should I start a business or should I start a personal brand? Okay. One of the things that I ask them to think about is, well, in the future, 
what's going what do you want to happen with this like do you see this as a business that you want to sell on to somebody else or is this something that you want to be doing forever like well not maybe not forever but for a long time like it's really you and also you know do you want to have employees or do you want it to be like you and some contractors so i'm just wondering like when you thought about creating your own personal brand did that come into play that it's something you know not wanting to think about actually growing and selling selling a business but actually have some having something that it's really you Uh, to be honest i never really thought about it it just kind of happened and i think it's my business cannot be anything else but a personal brand because who else is gonna you know give my presentations do my workshops and apparently it's it's about me people want to work with me and be with me and and get my view on things and i think for a lot of wellness entrepreneurs like coaches or people that that work with their clients personally people will want to work with you for your personality for who you are but if you have a website selling food supplements for example that's kind of anonymous and you could sell that but if you're you're the face of that website then it would be more difficult because then who is going to be the face of that website so if your business is built around you anyway then accept that it's a personal brand and show more of yourself. If your intention is to sell the business, then make it as anonymous as possible and and make sure that somebody else could take your role in the company. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love if you could take us through kind of what your process is for, like, how do you sell things? So what I mean is, how do you build that audience? And Like, what process do you use to kind of build the audience or tell them about things, engage them, keep them, you know, interact with your brand. I know you do, you do social media really well. So I'd kind of love to talk through that process. Sure. When I uh, started, when I started my own business, internet and social media didn't exist. So I used a lot of free publicity and free publicity is when journalists write about you and you don't have to pay for it. And I still use the same principles today in social media, but it's interesting to look back at this free publicity thing, because journalists will not write about you if you say, write about me. They will write about you if you have something interesting that is something interesting for their readers. So some advice or an unusual story or a different perspective on something. And journalists are the filter in what of all those stories and all those people and products and services, which one they select to write their story about. So when you think of it that way, promoting something on social media will be easier because if you have the journalist in mind, in fact, you're communicating directly with the, with the reader, with the end consumer. So you always have to make sure that whatever you post is interesting or added value for the people reading it. It doesn't work if you say, like this, buy this, share this. People will like and buy and share if they find added value in what you do. And the principle of pre-publicity and social media is to share a lot, to give a lot without asking anything in return. Because first you have to build an audience, people have to get to know you, uh, they have to learn that what you have to offer is interesting. So share your view on the world and share whatever you think is interesting, funny. For example, as a health coach, maybe it's interesting to know what you have for breakfast And you can post on Instagram a picture of your breakfast and then a link to a recipe and an explanation why you choose certain food groups and what they do for you. So you're sharing something about your life and you do it in a way that's attractive and nice picture. But you also give your knowledge, your background information 
So people will start to follow you and will know how knowledgeable you are and what a nice person you are. Look, I made this breakfast for me and my three kids and it only took me five minutes and it's very nutritional and blah, blah, blah. So you already kind of pre-select your target group by just being yourself and showing your own life. For example, as a writer, you would want to say, buy my book. I wrote this book. Oh, it's so interesting. Buy my book. But it's better to involve people in the process of actually writing it. Because if you involve people uh, saying, I hear a lot of people talk about burnout. For example, I'm writing a book about uh, burnout right now. And if I wait until the book is published, it will be this is my book, buy it. But if you involve people in the process and ask for their experiences, what would you want to read in a book about burnout? Do you want to share your story? What topics would you want addressed in the book? Then people become ambassadors. So basically, I'm also saying I'm writing a book, which I will be selling later, but I do that implicitly and explicitly. I talk about the topic. So talking about your topic is so much better than about the products that you sell or the services you sell around that topic. So show uh, something of yourself, always provide added value and keep it very personal and very giving instead of asking for something. That's my biggest advice to build an audience and have a lot of patience because it takes a lot of time. But then once you have your audience, they will be very loyal and they'll go with you for several years if you're lucky. And if you do it well, I really like the idea of building like a group of ambassadors. And I did that when I released my book and I actually did it intentionally. Like I was sharing throughout the process, but then I said, Hey, I need people that are going to be ambassadors to read it early and leave reviews and share it and got a group of people to sign up to do that. And that was so much better than me just shouting, Oh, buy my book, buy my book all the time because. You had yeah. other people reviewing it and sharing it and telling people. And and I also, I felt so, it's amazing, actually, when people, you realize that people will actually help you out because they like what you do. I mean, that to me was like, wow, <laughs> it's really cool. That's very pointing that out because one of the biggest takeaways I got from all this is that everybody loves to help. And when you are asking for help, you're not showing your weakness but you're providing other people with an opportunity to show their strengths. And it's such a different way of looking at it. Everybody wants to help. And by allowing people to help you in whatever way, you provide them an opportunity to shine. And everybody loves that. So that's a very good uh, suggestion. Ask for, for readers. Just ask. asking for feedback is always great. And I have two other examples of writing a book that might be interesting for your readers. I was writing a book a few years ago, have you found your Mr. Wrong yet <laughs> about my relationship with a playboy on a tropical island, <laughs> which is a completely other story. But I um, uh, set up a big Mr. Wrong survey and I asked women to take the survey to let me know about their experiences with Mr. Wrong. And also I asked men to take the survey to let me know what they thought was wrong and right and all kinds of things about the topic. So basically taking the survey was fun and I collected a lot of information about my book and people got curious about, you know, the results of the survey in the book. So creating a survey is one thing that could really help to promote your book and also your social media and your uh, topic. And the other thing, it happened unintentionally. I was writing about my a few years ago, I got fired from the Netherlands for traveling too much. So basically, they kicked me out of the system. I don't exist anymore. I'm a ghost. I'm not registered anywhere. So that's another story. And I was writing a book about that. 
And I told people the book will be ready in whatever, two months, and you can already pre-register to buy it. So people were actually buying the book and paying me. So I knew how many books I had to print. And also I had the money to pay the designer and the printer and whatever. But one week before I completed the book, I got into a car accident, and I, which resulted in a whiplash. So I couldn't write. I couldn't look at my computer. I couldn't think. And so I was really not only annoyed by the accident, but also that I couldn't keep my promise to the people who bought the book. So after a few weeks, I wrote them an email and said, I'm sorry, you know, the book is going to be delayed by two months. Back then, I thought it would only be two months. And if you want your money back, you know, I'll give you your money back. But, you know, it's because of this accident and I'll really do my best to finish the book as soon as possible. Of the thousand people who pre-purchased the book, not one canceled. In fact, I had to postpone again and again because the book only came out nine months afterwards when I was able to write again. And by that time, the group of people that I had mailed about the delay had become ambassadors because every time something happened, I included it in the book. My insurance made a lot of problems. So I included all that in the book and I kept them informed about it. So basically, I didn't do this through social media, but just through email to the people who pre-purchased the book. But by communicating, our bond became stronger instead of them canceling the book. They ordered more books and they told their friends about it and they became really involved. And I don't know exactly what it is that I do, but this resulted in people who've already been following me for 20 years. Like last night, I was dancing tango at the beach and a woman came to me, a woman that I didn't know. And she said, are you Esther? Yes, I've been following you. And I remember I once cut out an article from a magazine and you were wearing a red leather jacket and um, I collected it because I thought it was an inspiring story and now I'm following you on social media and now I see you here for real and I was like oh wow that's so special that so many people follow me for 20 years already and are so loyal and they know everything I do they see everything I do it's a relationship building thing that you have your website your social media your your email your whole presence basically Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times there's this pressure like, oh, I'm going to start this new business. And there's just all this pressure to make it happen now, now, now. But really, you can't with this. I mean, it's a long game, right? Yeah, if you want to make quick money, there are money, but I think it's more valuable to build a brand and to show yourself and to a personal brand is something you build for life. So you can't expect it to be ready tomorrow. You build, you, you learn, you adapt, you you learn some more and then slowly you'll start to see your added value you know the questions people always ask you the things they refer to you for the things they say to you like oh you always know the best restaurants or your recipes are so great or you you're such a good listener all these things that are very normal to you actually point out what is your added value to other people what distinguishes you from other people and those are the things you have to pay attention to not the things you think make you special and the things you think you really have to work for get another certificate and you know learn some more but the things that come naturally and if you pay attention to the questions that get asked over and over again like the frequently asked questions or the things your friends turn to you for or the, the questions you get from clients you will know what you have already, what doesn't cost you any energy, what comes naturally. Those are the things that you are unique for and that's your added value for your clients. It's so hard to see those things ourselves, isn't it, sometimes? True. And that's why it's a very good idea to look for a buddy, maybe somebody in the same situation as you are, maybe a close friend, maybe somebody further away. But if you have a 
you can help each other with these things. Like, hey, you don't know what you're good at, but look at you. You make this structure of our talk and you always reply in time and you're whatever, so organized. They will tell you the things that are so normal for you that you don't see them anymore. So my advice to anybody is get a business buddy, sparring partner, uh, a mastermind group, anything um, to help you reflect on the things that are difficult for you. And then you can use your strengths to help the other person and they can reflect that back to you. Mm -hmm. I actually did an exercise when I was first leaving my corporate job. I did this exercise where you actually email like 20 people that are that have known you for a really long time and ask them what your strengths are, like to list like three or four strengths. And it was really hard to do. I only did it that one time because I, you don't need to do it a lot. But it was so interesting how consistent different people from different points of my life were about what my strengths were. And it's stuff that to me is just seems so normal that I don't even think about it. Yeah, so that yeah, is really cool. Yeah, true. And this exercise you mentioned is a great exercise. And what I found, if you do this and people send you emails or they fill out a paper form, whatever, the things they write are also perfect reference you can use on your website because they say this about you, your, your ex-colleagues or your boss or your friends, whatever. They will say things about you that you won't be able to say about yourself on your website. But if other people say those things about you, for example, that you're always positive or that you're very solution oriented or that you're such a nice person to work with, you don't say that about yourself. But if uh, an ex-client says that, suddenly it adds a lot of value to the things you list on your website about your strengths and how you can help your clients. Absolutely. So let's transition a little bit and talk about storytelling. So how do you use storytelling in your business? Again, it's something I don't really think about, but storytelling is becoming more and more important and it's becoming kind of a hype. But think about when you were a kid and your parents were reading fairy tales, you know, their fairy tales are all about good and bad and about the rules of society. And if you tell a kid, this is good, this is bad, these are the rules, they won't listen and they won't remember and they won't know how to apply it. But by putting them in fairy tales, like the two little kids got lost in the forest and, ooh, they almost got eaten by a witch, little kids know that they shouldn't wander off by themselves in the forest. So there are lessons in that. And societies that didn't have any written uh, history, they have songs and they have stories, and that's how they transfer information. And the same thing if uh, your new boss gives you a manual of 200 pages and says, this is how we work here. You know, it, you'll try to read it and you'll try to remember, but it won't mean anything. But if a colleague takes you around the department and says, okay, this is uh, the machine and there's a story, it didn't work and this and this happened, and that's why we decided to do it this and this and this way, you will remember. And also the fact that you're interviewing me on this podcast is, uh, you know, I could have sent you 10 tips for social media and you could have listed them. Those are the 10 tips for personal branding and social media. But people will remember them better if there's a story and a person behind it. So my tip, if you're storytelling, if you're writing a website, if you're creating social media posts, always make it personal and put details in there. You know, the more you can remember about the exact quote somebody used to say something or um, how you felt when something happened, it makes it more real and more relatable and people remember better. That's the whole. Plus, it makes it personal. One diet advice from, you know, one nutrition list, it might be the same diet advice, but the story will be completely different if she suffered the same 
illness that you have, for example, and she explains how she found out that this works best for this and this and this. So, for example, there's one lady on uh, Instagram. I can't remember her name right now, but her daughter had very, very heavy eczema. Her whole face was covered in eczema and she'd been to all the doctors. She's had all the medicines and nothing helped. And then she decided to switch to a completely raw lifestyle. And she posted pictures of before and after. And now she's advising other people on eating raw and how to cure those type of diseases. And if she had just given that advice, it would be different, not so compelling Uh, if she didn't share her own story and pictures of herself and her daughter who was cured from the eczema. So storytelling and visual storytelling specifically are very, very important ingredients to make things land with people and also to make them personal. Mm -hmm. Now, Esther, I know since you started, you know, the, the internet world has, like, even when I started blogging, gosh, in 2009, <laughs> it's changed so much, right? It's just a completely different place online. And so I'm curious, you know, if you had to start again from scratch now, what would you do to start to build an audience? It's a good question because it has changed a lot. And what we have built since 2009, because that was also the first time I had to go on Twitter, my publisher told me I had to go on Twitter. And I was like, why would I do that? That's where people share, I'm eating a peanut butter sandwich or I'm on my way to a client. You know, nobody wants to know. I did because I learned a lot. And what I would do if I had to start right now, I would pick a very clear theme. So again, this shopping window, even if you sell all kinds of shoes, pick one type of shoe that you put in your shopping window. So pick one theme and start collecting all the information you can find about that theme. For example, I don't know if your theme is handbags, which is ridiculous, but uh, just the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Collect pictures of handbags, cartoons of handbags, song lyrics about handbags, quotes about handbags, famous people with handbags, pictures, um, the three do's and don'ts for buying a handbag, the whatever handbag reading, you know, they do, they read the, the coffee grinds out of a cup, but there's also people who read the, the contents of a handbag. So anything re- related to your theme and then start posting about that. So the pictures you post on Instagram and the quotes you post on Twitter and little videos you post on Facebook and then you mix a little bit and then the more business comments about handbags and do's and don'ts uh, you post on LinkedIn. And like I said, you can mix content, you can repeat content, uh, share your own stories, like which handbags you carry today and why did you choose this one? And then pictures of other people's and handbags, you, uh, people and handbags you see in the streets and why this one fits that person and why that one doesn't fit that purpose. So just share your worldview. If I would be walking next to you in the street, you would notice different things than somebody else. So I would use social media as if you're talking to a friend. Look at that person and their handbag. Do you notice this and this and this? And of course, it doesn't have to be about handbags, but handbags would be your theme. So health or nutrition or women or pregnancy or take the theme, make it a little bit broader and and look at it from all kinds of perspectives and just start sharing. And you will get feedback from social media. If you get a lot of likes, people like what you're saying. If if you get a lot of, it evokes discussion. So you can also ask questions and do surveys about your topic. If you get a lot of shares, it means it has extra value. People are sharing it. They want to share it with their friends. And added value can be something interesting, but it can also be funny or it can be a question that makes people think. So 
it's a long run thing, but you have to start someday and it's better to start today than tomorrow and start by collecting different things, by following people who talk about your topic, by liking things other people say about your topic, by making comments, by asking questions other people ask about your topic. And that way you will get more followers based on the topic and not just your aunt and uncle and neighbor and friends who know you already. Esther, thank you so much. This has been really interesting talking to you. And I think we've probably opened people's eyes about maybe they should be thinking about a personal brand more than trying to create this perfect business. So thank you so much. Can you tell us where people can get in touch with you and follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Yes, my website is estherjacobs.info. And on the website, you have all the links to social media. And I have a free social media challenge, a seven-day challenge on my website, where basically I help you in seven days to you know, provide added value to work on your personal brand, the most important things we talked about today. So if you're really eager to get to work, that might be a good, uh, good thing. So estherjacobs.info. Awesome. Thank you. And as always, we'll link everything up in the show notes so people can get to it really easily. Esther, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This wraps up our podcast season three. But there are tons of podcasts to listen to. We have over 200 episodes. So don't feel like you're going to be left without business inspiration for the next few weeks. So you can always dig back in our archives and of course in our Facebook community called the Wellpreneur Community Group on Facebook. We every week share out some of our most popular episodes and also some hidden gems that might not get as many visitors, but are still really worth a listen. So we kind of share our personal favorites there. And so you can connect with us in the Facebook group. And of course, also you can join the email list if you hop over to wellpreneuronline.com. So I hope this has given you some food for thought for how you can align your wellness business more with your own innate strengths so that work feels flowing and easy and you don't really get stuck into a little niche, right? You feel like you can really expand out and do all the work that you're meant to do in the world. So enjoy the little break. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Take the time to get caught up on some podcast episodes that you might miss. And I will see you over in the Facebook community group. See you there.